Here on Mother Love, we celebrate moms, their bravery, wisdom, and strength, their endurance and wit, dedication and sacrifice. We speak about the transformation in body, mind, and soul that is required on the sacred journey. We discuss what it takes to conceive, grow, birth, and welcome a baby into this big, wide, messy world. Mother Love is a safe space to witness each other in the darkest and brightest of moments. Mother Love is a place where you can let it all out and just be. A place to harvest your deep wisdom and spread hope to all the moms out there who still feel invisible. Welcome to Mother Love, where we love on mothers. We're so glad you're here. Yeah. So, okay, we'll be official and I'm going to say hello to our listeners. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> I'm very excited to introduce April to you. April, say your last name absolutely correctly. Lemieux. Lemieux. <laughs> yes. I just know you as April and I don't I it's, don't say your last name out loud right? very much. My last I name was wanna... a spelling word or like a bonus spelling word when I was in second grade <laughs> because it was, it was like, how do you even say that? Yes, yeah. I know. But April's here today and I'm so grateful. Um, and usually the first thing we do on the podcast is kind of introduce you to people. Sure. So because April is a dear friend of mine... I already know her well, but I was trying to remember how we met each other, which this is becoming kind of a theme no, in I, our beginning of our episodes. Like, can Claire remember where she right, met this person? Was it a reading yeah. of her own? Was um, that maybe through Chelsea and that kind of circle of writers? Maybe. That, that was just I was telling it to you too, but yeah, it's okay. Or, or the, the Lotus. Lotus. Yeah. <laughs> Everything comes back to the I lotus. Know, it's uh, true. It's true. But I yeah. asked um, you to come today, April, because we we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I was just telling April that um, you know that we're trying to really intentionally choose. I think every mother has an incredible story, yeah. without a doubt. Yep. Um, but we're trying to intentionally choose, at least in these initial episodes things that haven't been talked about very much in my experience and I think that I think there's a an assumption and a tendency for us to believe that if we've had a an experience that is pretty vastly different than what the mainstream idea of motherhood is like that it's not a welcome conversation to have or you I'm speaking for myself almost feel like I can I? Right. <laughs> Do I have a voice in in this? Because my story is not the typical mother story, right? So. Do, do I get to have a voice? Is this valid? Yeah. Um, which is part of why I'm so honored to be here today. Yeah. Because I think, um, like you were saying earlier, motherhood looks like so many different things. It shows up in so many different ways. And, um, and we all have something to say about it. Right. So yeah. excited to be here today. Yay. Yeah. And I, we have talked, the two of us, about kind of your story before. You know, I think we had been friends for a couple of years even, and this is a yes. good example. Before, yes. And you know that I'm very passionate about mothers and motherhood right. and specifically maternal mental health because of my own experiences. And but right. it, But it was like, I mean, I think in part for you, it wasn't me. It, 
it wasn't what we just talked about where they're like, but I knew there really needed to be proper space held for your right. story. Right. And I, and I knew that there needed to be some trust earned there before Which you, is, we could really dive I, I in. I so appreciate that. And I, rem- I remember that conversation and yeah, I mean, it's been at least a few years since, you know, our friendship began and, and time we've spent together and, um, having you hold space while I shared that story with you was, I mean, that, that definitely bonded me deep, deeper with you because it is, you know, it's not, um, my close friends know my experience, uh, but it's not, it isn't everybody else. It's just a very, um, minimal detail story and they know what I feel they need to know. And, and, mm-hmm. um, I, I keep the rest to myself, Yeah, but, you know, I've, as I told you earlier, I, I've listened to um, some of the earlier uh, conversations that you've had. And, and it's, I just think as a writer myself, like sharing your story, sharing your experiences, sharing how <laughs> you get through this thing we call life, um, especially as a mother, it, it needs to be spoken. It needs to be witnessed because we're all going through it and in all in different ways, but all just as valid. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, what I'm learning is, I think this is true of everything, but with mothers in particular, there's, there's almost always this kind of, um, battle within that's like, okay, I don't want to put this out there because I don't, because there's a fear of judgment and there's, or with that, right. there's often this underlying current of shame. Right. But then there's also this thing that like, when you do under the right circumstances, the connection that is possible and right. the honoring that takes place and the, and the healing you too, too, like me yeah. too. Whoa. Yeah. It's, there's a universality to right. the details of our stories that is like totally. only moms can understand you know but they can be such different things like exactly but but you know it's almost like a a heart thing when you're like oh yeah you you get what I'm saying exactly you've you've held your child when in pain or you you know like it doesn't matter what has happened we all know the feeling of of watching our child suffer in one way or another and not being able to fix it or go there to make everything better right Yeah. yeah yeah so um Maybe we can just start. Can we give listeners a little bit of a sense of who you are in the world today in terms of what you do outside of motherhood? <laughs> and then we'll dive yeah. into just yeah. to sort of like a day in the life of April. Oh, wow. You know, okay. So, so that people can understand before we um, get into backstory. Totally. Just a little bit about totally. who you are. Yeah. Well, um, I uh, moved to Helena gosh, back in beginning of 2011, um, had never been here before, uh, had previously been in Seattle and it was time to come back and we'll probably touch on that story later. But, um, and just, it took me a minute to get my feet here, you know, uh, but I was able to eventually find a great group of friends and peers and touch on the writing community, kind of get my toes in there and um, ended up started working at St. Peter's where I still am 
uh, now. And so my day-to-day is, you know, waking up, getting some sort of a practice in the morning if I can, yoga, riding, what have you, uh, ride my bike to work, do the work thing, and then uh, try to get out in nature if I can. We've got such beautiful weather right now. you got to grab it mm-hmm. while you can. Totally. And, you know, I'm a pretty uh, <laughs> introverted person, so a lot of my self-care or just day-to-day is just finding ways um, to fill myself up, especially with everything going on right now. I think it's just so important to try to find that uh, daily, if you can, those moments of centeredness or peace. And um, especially for me, you know, I just, I I definitely um, am reactive to Mm -hmm. things not being, uh, I I like schedules. (laughs) You know, I like a certain amount of, okay, I can kind of count on this happening. And, And there's so much of our day to day now that is the exact opposite of that. So yeah, whether it's a, a walk with my partner up in the hills or, you know, just taking some time to get on my mat or writing or whatever, um, just going inward a little bit and reconnecting with that part of myself that's, you know, always there and always present. And and then um, being a mom. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Lovely. Can you talk about this for my own curiosity mm-hmm. and we don't have to go here if yeah, you don't yeah. want to, but yeah. what type of work are you doing for St. Peter's health? Oh. Like, what does that work look like? You know, it's been something that's kind of shifted and changed over the years, what my original role was and what it is now. And now I, I'm, I, I don't even know if I have an official title. I do so, I'm a kind of a jack of all trades, but I, I'm the claims coordinator for the physician side. So basically what that is, is working with our um, our claims uh, third party, which is uh, where we send our claims from the doctors to the coders to this uh, third party. And then we go through all of those, make sure that all of the things that are needing to be met by the insurances are done, any rules that we need to apply to the claims. So it's just a lot of like detail work. So needing to make sure that every claim that comes in fits the criteria for that specific payer and then sending it out. So it's a lot of data, a lot of just, which I'm I'm good at that piece. I'm (laughs) I'm good at knowing like, what needs to be done uh-huh. in that in that way. So again, that's not where I started out, but that's where I have been for the last five years. And it's really good. It, it It's talking about having that same, yeah. for some people, it's like that drives them crazy for me. That's kind of- It feels a, really good. It feels really yeah. good. It's like, I know that this is exactly how it needs to be sent. Yep. Like there's some satisfaction. I totally hear that. <laughs> I'm like someone who is pretty, you know- um, I would say that my nature is to be spontaneous. Yeah. Like by just, th- there's a part of the essence of who I am that loves like the element of surprise and right. the element of just like, who knows what will happen today? Like I'm there like, is, ah! I know, but, but I've found that to be healthy, I really right. have to have s- uh, other parts of my day or other parts of my, the structure right. of my life that are like, that are complete like check box and, yeah. and be able to look back at the day and be like, okay, I accomplished right. this, 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 like it's right. taken me a long time to figure yeah. that out. But- well, what's funny with this position is while there is those pieces that you can check, one of the things that drove me crazy when I started was 
it never ends. Like you are never done. You can never like check that final box and everything's like done. It's just this continual mm-hmm. cycle of, oh, there's more and more and more. Right. And, and that's uh, uh, like you, it's like finding that balance of, mm-hmm. oh, I, I great. That's good. Mm-hmm. There is some, um, some good feeling of being stretched beyond your comfort zone. Yeah. True. So, yeah. 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 Nice. Okay. Well, that helps. I think that helps because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm just realizing in these conversations that I, there are a lot of things that I sit down at this table and know about you. Right. That people will right. not. So it's right. nice to just give a little glimpse in to the day to day like that. Totally. Plus I find lately that that's a really good day, way to check in with friends. Like, yeah. Hey, like, how's what's, what's been happening? Yeah. What's been like going yeah. on? Because I think that this, this thing that I'm thinking is probably how your day is going is no longer a thing right. about how your day is going. Right. So how right. are you really, you know? Exactly. And yeah. being in the healthcare field right now is, it's such a interesting place to be and seeing yeah. how our community is being impacted and seeing what we're doing as a provider of health for our community. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's really um, kind of interesting to be in that seat. I bet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. And then let's talk about motherhood. <laughs> That's All right. right. So I think that it would be, um, I always like to, before we go back to the very beginning yeah. and rewind time. Right. Can I know that Jonah was just here recently. Yeah. And yep. can you tell us how old is Jonah? How is Jonah doing? Like, how was your time? Right. This past visit and you just know, sort of. Um, Jonah is 13, um, getting ready to go into eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And this was actually um, the first time that we'd been able to have time together since back in December because everything happened and um, it was a it was it was a really long time I mean it it got to a point I think for both of us where you know we had a couple of almost and we built it up so much Mm -hmm. that after the second time where it didn't work out we were both just kind of we had to kind of just step back because it was so hard to um, get so excited and then have it not work out for reasons that were, you know, it was out of our hands, but at the same time, it, it, it was, it was difficult for us because we are so close. Um, And when we are together, we're, (laughs) we're together, you know? So, um, and with him being, I mean, he was uh, very premature when he was born. So there's some concerns for him beyond just the average, parent where he, you know, he is considered high risk. And, and so that all of the things that come with that, like, I want you to have fun, but at the same time, we have to take these precautions and should you go to camp? Should you not go to camp? I mean, it was really, uh, um, something I had to sit with and, you know, uh, bounce, bounce off friends and partner and all of that of what, you know, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? But it ended up that, you know, the camp that he went to, they were taking all the precautions that they could. I felt really good about it. And he had a great time. And, um, you know, we had a couple of days where it was just him and I, which is, he's such a family guy. He loves to have everybody together. So when my partner and his daughter are around, like Jonah would prefer, we're all together, all doing stuff. Um, 
but they were off doing their own thing for a couple of days and we got to reconnect just him and I and we had some he's like mom I forgot that you and I could have oh, such a good time together it's like yeah see mom's cool yeah see I still got it <laughs> even though you're going into middle school about this exactly yeah. and and it is I mean I just know uh, um these visits are so precious because yeah. He's right on that cusp of of going and discovering who he is, you know, and it's not going to be mom. This closeness. Yeah. 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 So every that's, I guess, maybe even why more so this last stretch of time apart was so hard because I'm so aware Mm -hmm. that every visit is one step closer to that time where as as he should. Right. um, He spreads his wings and starts doing his thing. Yeah. So. And we all know, like, as, as moms and as parents and caregivers that, you know, that that is like a, it's, it's the next big necessary step and it's really hard. And I think that I'm, I have this tendency to get sort of like apocalyptic, apocalyptic. right? this is the end of everything, but but really, you know, like every stage of our child's life, well, that's just it close in other ways and there will be new new points of connection, new points of building trust and new points of, you know, of it, like it might be more spaced out or whatever, but more ways that, that during this time that you've established that relationship that you can come to. Well, and as you go through it too, because my kiddo's a little bit older than yours. Mm -hmm. And so every time you go through those moments, because I talk about it all calm here, when inside I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) But you know, you go through those, there's those periods, the first, you know, I don't know, I don't want to hold your hand or, or I don't need you to tuck me in or, you know, whatever the thing oh, is. God, neither of those have I know. To me yet. I know. Like, Sam, I'm just like, <laughs> like knife to the heart. Yeah. I remember the first time, I mean, this was probably mm, two years ago or something. The thing was, I mean, and he's so affectionate. He's such a lover. He loves to snuggle, you know, and all of that. And we would hold hands crossing the street. And he's so nice about it. Like, he's not like throwing my hand down or anything like that, but he just very gently, you know, kind of let go. And so, and then I, I could put my hand, like, I don't know I, what's I, worse, honestly. <laughs> so I can put my hand on his shoulder. Mm. Like that's, and it was like, okay, this is, we're this, moving. we're, and inside, like you're saying, I'm dying. But on the outside, I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I, that's cool. And you're glad he's advocating for And setting boundaries yeah, and doing sure. all of the good stuff that he needs to be doing. But as a mom, yeah, you're like, oh, that's the very, when he said frog instead of frog. Totally. It's like, oh, no. that was the last no. time I ever heard him say frog. You know, oh, it's all those little things. Yeah. But you, they happen and the world doesn't end and you see them grow and it just gets stronger. Yeah. You just build on that foundation. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I am so excited to see, see what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the beginning. Oh, goodness. I know. <laughs> I know. See, I got you set, feeling all good. <laughs> now we're going to rewind time and go yeah. into the intensity. But, but so what I do know, and maybe, maybe we can begin a little bit if you feel comfortable sharing. Sure. Um, your experience as a kid going through different foster situations, right? right. And yeah. how, and I know that that was part of um, what influenced your decision to 
yeah come to motherhood in yeah. the way that you did so maybe yeah. if, you, if we yeah. could kind of start there oh for sure i mean so much of who i am as a mother directly correlates with uh my childhood you know um which i think is true of all of us yeah so yeah there's no way, yeah, of- there's no way that that doesn't impact what you bring yeah. to the table um yeah i mean i was adopted as an infant, I mean, fairly just a couple months uh, after I was born, I was adopted and raised up on the High Line up in northeastern Montana um, with a brother who had been adopted previous to me. He was um, like a year and a half, two years older than I. And um, really small town, <laughs> you know, uh, population 300 something i mean there were seven eight kids in my class super super small town Mm -hmm. uh small community and um you know i i wasn't i was raised in a household where my dad was very dominant very controlling his word was law and um (laughs) for whatever reason, you know, I think there was a number of things. Part of it was just me being who I innately was. That didn't set well with me. You know, I didn't, my mom and my brother were both um, people who could make themselves smaller, um, who could take that without feeling a need to respond. And, you know, there's no judgment to that. That was that was just how they were able to manage that um, with my dad. But for me, from the time I was very young, mm-hmm. um, I said no. And, you know, when you're little, it, and it was, a, I mean, we're talking back in the 70s. I was born in 1975, so, and small town, you know, it, People didn't really, it wasn't where you, you got time out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, it was spare the rod, spoil the child mentality, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then, and then some. Mm-hmm. And what was when I was younger, maybe it wasn't taken to the degree that it was when I got older. Um, so it wasn't until I was, I think the first time I went into foster care, um, as, you know, somebody in the community had called in and uh, they came to the school and, um, you know, there was bruises and what have you. And, and, and you know, I was raised in a, in a household where you didn't, com- we didn't communicate. Like, you didn't talk about your feelings. You didn't um, communicate anything other than you know, it was like, bite the bullet, don't cry, be tough. And so, you know, I, there was nowhere in my mind where I would have ever reached out to anybody and said, oh, I, I, I don't know what's going on. Help me understand this. I mean, you're in fourth grade. What, well, what do you do? What, you're yeah. just, you know, and I didn't even know at that point my level of being able to survive. That was my first introduction into, okay, grab your stuff and and they took me you know and i my if i remember right my mom said you know they didn't know anything had happened until i didn't get off the bus and so um the first time i was in foster care i was able to continue to attend the same school 
that I had been attending, I stayed with a family who lived in a community um, outside of Hinsdale, and, uh, but was able to still be on the same bus as my brother and all of that, and uh, was with that family um, for a couple years, ended up going back to my adoptive family. Whoa. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that decision was made. Um, Again, this was uh, this was early on, early eighties. Mm-hmm. Like there just wasn't a lot of. I remember going back and and knowing that you know my dad didn't want me, and the reason that I came back was because of my mom, mm-hmm. that she had had asked him, and I remember having to go in and ask my dad, "Is can I can I come home?" That was part of the thing, like that that. Um, you're going to be under my roof. You're going to. So it's like, you know, put, putting me under his, you're not going to come back until you ask permission just so that, you know, I'm, I'm the one who's in control and, you know, and, and home is home regardless of what, what that looks like to the world or, yeah. you know, it's what I knew and it, it was good to be back even though, you know, nothing had changed. There wasn't any work that had been done I didn't even know really what that would have looked like Mm -hmm. you know but I was older you know my brother was still there and we we just kind of did our thing and um and I was there how old were you when you went back let's see I was in fourth grade so we went back at sixth grade so like 10 ish Mm -hmm. I guess would have been 10 11 Mm -hmm. when I went back and was there uh, again until I was in eighth grade, and then the same thing. I my brother ended up going into the military, so it was just me. And you know, I was g- g- get starting to spread my wings, as we talked about earlier. And you know, honestly, my folks just didn't have the tools to be the kind of parents. I mean, I, I've done so much work over the years to try to be able to put that in a in a place of perspective. You know, um, my mom came right from her home. She was 18 years old when she married my dad, like from a family of like, I mean, lots of kids. And so, I mean, it, and it, it, they just didn't have the tools. Yeah. And um, it's not like they were necessarily choosing to be malicious. They just didn't. Is that how you feel about it or... I feel like for my mom specifically, she was in a situation where, you know, I mean, we're talking, tell you what to wear, tell you, you know, read your mail before you read it. If you go somewhere, you need to check in. I need to know where you are, um, how to, you know, I mean, it was very, I'm not just saying any kind of strict, I'm saying controlling in every way possible. So my mom didn't really, what, we were all she had yeah it wasn't like there was extended friends coming you know friends never came over right we did we were very isolated we lived out of town and we were poor yeah we we were extremely poor so for me and when you're in a small town you know everything's kind of there for everybody to see yeah you know um my dad i think I think he, it was a way for him to feel in control for himself 
by controlling others. Mm-hmm. So like his, how he felt good or how he felt um, of worth was like, I'm, I'm, I'm in control and these people will do what I tell them to do. And right. so I think for him it was, and he, you know, it was physical, it was mental, it was all of that. And for my, I had more empathy for my mom than I did for my dad, because I think he, he chose that to a certain extent. My mom, I feel to a certain extent, she chose it too, because she didn't protect me. But I also feel like, you know, she didn't, like, what did she have? What would have happened? Who would she, she have yeah, reached out right. to? What, she, what would she have done? You know, totally. she, she didn't have a job. Yeah. She, you know, yeah. there was no, it wasn't like it is now where you could, right. there's resources, there's right. things you could do, right. you know? So I think that looking back on it, it, it just, and because of who I was, I, it it never was going to work. I was right. never going to be the subservient, um, quiet. I was always going to be the one that says, no, <laughs> you yeah. know? no, no, no. And, yeah. and, and that showed up in many, that no showed up in many, many different ways. And, you know, by the time I was in eighth grade, you know, you're, you're starting to, I was very, very tomboyish. I, that's the word we used at the time back then, you know, and I, I, I didn't really care much about what was going on in the outer world. But then seventh, eighth grade, you're like starting to, you know, reach out, make friends and, and stuff like that. And I wanted more of the world. I wanted more freedom and I wanted you know, and it just, it, it got to a point where it was just very violent and, and toxic. And, you know, again, because the community is so small, it didn't take long before. And, and I was really good at sports, which in a small town kind of gives you, I was very poor, but because I had that, I was really smart. I did well in school and I did well in sports. So I became interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that piece. Yeah. So, so had I not had that, I don't know that there would have been the same kind of concern like investment or investment by the community, you know, as, and, and it rocked, it rocked our world. I mean, when stuff like that happens in a small community, it's very, it impacts people's lives, you know, and when I, was taken the second time and placed in foster care, you know, it, my folks' lives became really difficult. People had really strong feelings about it, you know, and there were all sorts of stories going around the community and and it was hard, you know, we never, we never recovered from that mm-hmm. as far as a family, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I went into foster care in the middle of eighth grade and I stayed, you know, I moved around to various homes and ended up staying in foster care until I graduated, you know, and, and who I was at the end of that is very different from who I was when I went into it. Mm-hmm. It changed who I became. Yeah. You know, I was no longer the one that said, no, I was the one that was, you know, I just shut off yeah. because I, I no longer had any control over anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be moved Mm-hmm. It, at a flip of a switch, you know, you, you can't, you, I, it changed who I was. I'm sure. And, and tying this in as far as, as parenting, you know, I, 
I wanted so badly um, to be loved. Yeah. You know, even within my own family, uh, you know, talking about sports and stuff. Yeah. Oh, hey, Dad, you know, I, I made 23 points. Well, you could have done 25. Or, I, hey, I got an A minus. Well, you could have gotten an A. You know, it was never, there was no, there was always, the bar was always being raised. And I didn't have any way of knowing or being able to process that as anything other than I'm not enough. Yeah. I'm not doing enough. And then when my family blew up, it was all on me. I, I'm the one. You betrayed. If I, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, if I could have just gone along, if I could have mm-hmm. just not been so difficult, if I could have just made myself, then I would, uh, you know, and it was, and it was hard. I mean, I'm what, 12, 13, trying to process that. Yeah. And that, and that, impacted who I became as well. Yeah. Always feeling, I mean, it's, it's stuff, I'm going to be 45 this year and it's still. I mean, those are fundamental yeah, elements you know, of safety and security totally, and totally. love. And, and going from home to home, you know, being adopted and then they didn't want me and then going into foster care yeah. and that didn't work. And, yeah. you know, it was just this continued message mm-hmm. uh, in my very, very formative years of, uh, you know, you're, you're not enough. You don't belong. You don't belong. Yeah. And and I wanted, you know, and I would think when I would be in all of these homes, uh, you know, I, it, well, maybe if I do this or maybe if I do that, maybe then that. And I got really good at reading people. I could become whoever you wanted me to be within five minutes of meeting you. And I thought that that was, well, that's just, that's what you do. Yeah. You know? And I thought that that was, oh, I'm on to something. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, ooh, this, this, you know. And I'm sure there are ways now. Right. Because I can can relate to a degree of that. There are ways now that that probably serves you in like really cool ways. Yeah, yeah. But when you look back at like the... um, the desperation. There was that. so much of me that was, I was cutting off or just For repressing. Sure. Yep. I mean, I was, I was by the, like I said, by that end of my senior year, um, I, I just, I was whoever you wanted me to be. Yeah. I was in the home that I was at the time. There was m- lots and lots of kids. And when someone, I was the model one, I would be, everybody would be like, oh, be like April. Like this is, this is the ki- type of foster kid we want you to be like, because I would get good grades. I didn't get into trouble because I had just shut down. Yeah. You know, I, I realized I had no control. Uh-huh. When I would at, you know, the last home I was in, there was so many kids from, you know, really young ages to high school, various things going on. And I remember within the first while, like it was so overwhelming. And I reached out to my um, social worker mm-hmm. and was like, she's like, I can't, this is, I, please, can I go somewhere else? And she's like, well, if you don't make it there, we're sending you to the girls' home. And, you know, by that time, I'd heard so many stories of things that happened there. And so it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm on my own and I'm, you know, eighth, yeah. ninth grade. Yeah. And so I, it was just, it was within, the, it just shutting parts of myself yeah. off and just full time becoming whatever and whoever you wanted me to be. Yeah. And then when I graduated, I remember like I immediately moved out and was living in this, I mean, it was talk about your first oh my gosh like green shag carpet and rickety it was on the third floor and these little skinny rickety stairs but it was like mine yeah and i 
totally cut ties with my foster family. And I remember them reaching out so concerned, like, are you on drugs? Or like, what's going on? And I just, I, I didn't ever want to see or have to feel or be a part of that yeah. ever again. Yeah. I was free. Yeah. I, I had served my time. That's what it felt like. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 18 years old. I've, I've been, I served my time. Yeah, I served my time. I'm, I claim my life now. But oh, yeah. that being said, um, you know, so I have the survival skills of like a 50 year old, totally. but the relational skills, yeah. the um, interpersonal skills of like, uh, I don't know, 10 year old, yeah. 11 year old. Yeah. So family for me was, I mean, that was the thing. It's like, I want, I want to belong. I want to um, be loved. I want to have that security, for sure. you know, but I, I had no way of doing that. I was no. so um, damaged in a way by that point. I mean, when you talk about foster children and especially back then, you know, the, the statistics were more than likely you were not going to be productive. You weren't going to be a productive citizen. You were either going to fall into another abusive relationship. You were going to become an addict. I mean, it wasn't, you didn't come out of that a success story. Right. You know, the there weren't people just holding up signs like, you got this, or, no. you know, I mean. Yeah. So when I look back uh -huh. on that person, um, and I see everything that she has gone through to be, still here <laughs> and productive and a parent and you know um i'm so proud of her and 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 i yeah i messed up i messed up a lot and i i had to fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up and i had to feel all of those things that i hadn't allowed myself to feel for my childhood years mm -hmm. and that wasn't pretty it showed up in really destructive and ugly ways yeah. and i you know i learned the tools with which to have that no longer be destructive mm -hmm. but be able to feel and process and and manifest mm -hmm. in a way that um when i get knocked down and come back up it's still with an open heart mm -hmm. I didn't lose my heart right and I don't know if that's that's I don't know why I made it and so many didn't mm -hmm. and and a lot of what I do as a person as a parent as a human is for those kids that I'll never forget mm -hmm. right you know I, you don't forget that you don't forget right. the three-year-old who could dance so sexy because she had been taught that was the thing to yeah. do in order to get love. You don't right. forget the siblings that got torn apart. You know, I mean, there's story after story and right. I'm, I, for whatever reason was able to get on the other side of that mm -hmm. and, and to have to take all of that stuff, all of the things that happened and alchemize it into something that is, I'm really able to relate with so many different people in so many different different circumstances in a way that I don't think most people are right. because of that. And I wouldn't, as much as that 
took from me, it has given me, I mean, that, that's priceless. That's a beautiful way to live. Yeah. 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 And, and the, um, you spending so much like time is just the, th- the word that comes to mind, but there's so much more that you spent learning the skills that it takes to be able to develop that capacity. Right. You know, it, well, I have like two different very trains of thought, just like resuming. So totally. I'm going to try to focus on totally. one. But, um, but I think that it it's able to give you a quality, April, in your life that you can be dropped into almost any situation and feel like you don't have to choose, like you know what it feels like to choose like the full armor. Right. And you know what it feels like to, to choose the, the complete betrayal of self. And you like, you've, what you've walked down these roads all the way to the dead end. Yeah. You know, so that now when you're given that choice, you, it's like you look around and you're like, mm, actually, I think I'll just be here. Right. And I'll just be with this thing that's happening or with this person who's describing this hardship or with this pain or whatever it is. Right. And, and that's why you are one of my best friends because I know that there's nothing I could ever come to you with. Right. Like, it's like you've developed what you've alchemized is this heart of like unconditional love out of a childhood that was like just full of conditional right. love. Every, like everything was, that. everything was conditional, conditional acceptance, even, you know, yeah conditional yep. like you get to live here yeah that's not even conditional love like that's yeah. below that right so it's like i am so grateful that you were able to do that and i and and then this brings me back to the other train that's zooming down the tracks, yes which is you know when you when we talk about all of that and when we look at all of it and sort of unpack it and go okay like yeah how did you you know, it's not, it's not like we can point to one thing, but the thing that I'm curious about and that I would like to hear more about from you is that I know that like the next piece of this story is you um, starting to explore your biological relationship with okay. your biological mother. Okay. And when you start, when you mention, you know, what it was like for you to be adopted into the family that you were when you were an infant, but that you always were very in touch with this no part of you, you know, until you weren't, until it was no longer an option at all for you to be in touch with any part of yourself. But like that, that um, sort of like resilient spirit of like standing up for what's right was always there. And so I want to talk a little bit about, I know that like once you discovered your biological ties that helped you really understand where that came from. And so can you you talk a little bit about that? Totally. You know, there is this piece of me, like, I feel, I think of myself sometimes as a knight, Mm -hmm. like there's, and this is just innately April where I'm very like, (laughs) I don't know, even the words like loyal and, and, um, diligent and honorable. And, you know, I just, my word matters to me and it always has, that's always just been like that part of me. But, um, you know, there, there were parts of me growing up, you know, as I spoke earlier, we were, you know, we lived on a farm, butchered, you know, everything that we grew, we ate, we were, like I spoke earlier, we were, we were poor. So as much as, as we could, um, bring in ourselves, we would. So we had 
livestock and a huge garden and all of that. But part of that was like butchering, you know, and, and I, I was very tough. I didn't cry, you know, talk about that, that first time that they came to the school and they took me when I was in fourth grade. I remember they, you know, they'd taken me in the room. They took in the, taken the picture. I was very private. You know, they, they, there was picture taking and all of that. And I remember coming back to my classroom and I was crying and my classmates were just, that just threw them because, oh, April's crying. Like, like some, something, some, exactly. Yeah. Cause I had just, but inside mm. there were so many parts of me that were just mushy and tender and, uh, you know, magic. And, yeah. and I never really had a place to, um, un- unpack that. Mm. Because that was considered weak and right. and of and frivolous and of no use, you know. So, in I, fact, I, it wasn't only of no use; it was like counter, yes, to what this is. This was, is counter to what is of worth in this household. Yeah. So you need to make sure that that's never seen. Yeah. So you know, when we're butchering something, I would try to hide on butcher day because oh. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't yeah. want to have to. Yeah see it happen you know and and there was no getting around it you're like holding them down and it it was just and those parts of me those tender and i'm like and i wanted so badly for them not only those even just like femininity i struggled with being a female totally like i mean that definitely ties in with later on motherhood like i wanted to be tough and i wanted to be strong and i didn't see how that correlated with being a girl. Right. So I didn't want to, I just wanted, I didn't want to be a girl and I didn't want to have these soft feelings and I wanted them just to go away. Totally. And when I did end up, you know, um, exploring, finding my, my birth parents, you know, I had by the time I was late, late, my late twenties, I think I was 28 when I first started to find, try to find my birth mother specifically. Um, I was having some health issues that it ended up being the reason that I ended up having a hysterectomy at 31. Um, and that was genetic. And, you know, had I maybe known some of that, I could have, I don't know. I don't know if it would have changed anything, but you know, I had a couple of miscarriages along the way and it was all tied in with that. And so I really wanted just my medical history. Totally. And so it was a closed adoption as most adoptions were back then. So I just appealed the courts to get my medical history. I didn't think in a million years I would get anything other than that. And I didn't even know if there was anything to get, you know? Yeah. And um, when I finally was able to get the file, it was actually my adoptive records. They had unsealed the whole thing. So I'm sitting in this room and I'm just Hello listeners, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and if you do like what we're doing on Mother Love, please take a moment to rate, review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Mm-hmm.